you're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. Today we're kicking off a two-part series called AOG. Now back in the day, in the 80s and 90s, it was really cool for Christian metal and rock and rap acts to have acronyms in their names. And so you had all kinds of acts. So there were Christian magazines that would cover, cover the rock and metal scene. And so there was CCM Magazine. I actually forgot what that stands for. I think it's oh, Contemporary Christian Music. Okay. Then there was HM, which was Heaven's Metal Magazine. What do you think about that one? Right? They realized that was a little cheesy and they went to Hard Music Magazine eventually. But there were all these popular bands. There was POD, which was Payable on Debt. There was DC Talk. Does anybody know what DC Talk stood for? Does anybody know? Oh, are you just raising your hand? All right, that's okay. Decent Christian talk. Isn't that interesting? Okay. FFH was far from home. You had DOC, Disciples of Christ. And this is my personal favorite, PID, Preachers in Disguise. I love that one. Okay. So today we are going to continue this little theme here. And um, we're going to talk about AOG. Now, AOG, some people have said, uh, they kind of guessed what the theme was for the week. Okay. We're going to be talking about for two weeks here, the armor of God. Okay. We're going old school. We're talking about the armor of God. And I have to tell you, I didn't plan on talking about this for starters. Um, I had a whole different plan of where we were headed for the next several weeks and I was out on a prayer walk at uh, just I just had a little time I was, I was just out on a prayer walk and I wasn't even thinking about church I wasn't thinking about the message and all of a sudden God just in this pr- little prayer walk reminded me the things that God's provided for me in my life through the things we're going to talk about today and really reminded me what I have in him and who I am in him and I just felt so strongly like this is what we should talk about like we needed to jump into these things because the truth is I think we often forget we're in a battle okay following Jesus is awesome but there's a battle aspect to it, isn't there? I think sometimes we forget who we're battling against. Sometimes we just think it's our neighbor, we think it's our ex, we think it's our spouse, we think it's our kid or our parent or our coworker. And listen, there are legitimate problems with people in this world, amen, right? Like it happens, okay? And so I'm not saying that's not real, I'm just saying sometimes we forget there's something else going on in the background. There's somebody else pushing buttons. And I think also, and this is really what I feel like is my job for the next several weeks, is to remind you and I the things God has given us to enable to take our stand, okay? That there are things God's placed in our lives and given us as, as available to us to take our stand as we are in this very legitimate and real battle here today. I think we forget how equipped we are, you know? And so and when we forget how equipped we are, suddenly we begin to feel like some areas of our life come under fire. Suddenly the truth area of our life kind of feels a little bit less true, you know? The things we always maybe felt were true about God or the things recently we've discovered about God, suddenly they come into question. Or maybe we feel really condemned in our lives all of a sudden, like, who am I? God doesn't want me. Or maybe we just don't feel ready to do the things God's called us to. Like, I have nothing in me, maybe you're saying today. I don't feel ready to fight in prayer. I don't feel ready to invite somebody. I don't care if the wind's blowing or not. I don't feel ready to do that. I don't feel ready to pray for those who need Christ or stand against this temptation. I just, I just don't feel ready. I feel beat up. I feel like I'm just on the ground getting kicked, honestly. Maybe that's what some of you would say today. Maybe some of you would say, I just feel like my faith is really struggling. Some of you might even say, I'm doubting my salvation. Am I saved? Is God there? Or maybe you're thinking, how do I just like defend myself in this battle? 
How do I take a step forward? How do I stop getting beat up? And how do I take some ground in my relationship with God? That's what we're going to talk about for this week and next week. And, and I just want to remind you, Paul's going to say very clearly today, we are in a battle. We do have an opponent. But man, God has given us the things we need to take our stand. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to see today what a relationship with God is all about, and I want you to see how it's possible to have a relationship with God. So Paul was finishing up his letter to the Ephesians, and here's what he says in Ephesians 6.10. You can read it with me. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Everybody say his. Okay, so so often when you think battle mode, you think I have to be strong. I better be strong in my power. But Paul is very clear here. We got to be strong in the Lord's power, right? We've got to be humble in and of ourselves. Like if you and I think, okay, I've got this. I have what it takes. Everybody just say a phrase with me. Can you say this phrase after I say it? Saved by grace? Can we just celebrate and come around today? We are saved by grace. It is not you that saved you. The more I talk in church, the more I still think I need to remind us of that. That we are saved by grace. We're not saved by works or the things that we do or the things we are ruled out by the things we've done. And so remembering this is God's battle. This is God's victory. This is all him. So if I'm going to get anywhere in this, it's going to be starting with humility in and of myself and being strong in the Lord. And you're going, well, how do I be strong in the Lord? Well, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But that's the starting point. It's, oh God, if I'm going to take any victory in this battle, it's going to be you doing it in me and through me. And then he says this, put on the full armor of God. Okay, now some of you guys are like, okay, I've been a Christian for a long time. I learned about the armor of God in like VBS or Sunday school. This is like a little kid thing, right? Like, why are we talking about this? I've known about the armor of God for a long time. Some of you are all new to this. You're like, what's the armor of God? We're going to get to that. But some of you are like, this is just so elementary. Like, this isn't youth group, Doug. Why are we talking about this? Well, let me put it to you this way, okay? When your kids were little, or some of you here, kids in the room, right, your parents made you put on a helmet and some pads when you go out on your skateboard or your bike, unless you grew up before 1990, because there were no helmets or pads before 1990, okay? But often in our lives, like, like me, like my kids wore helmets. They're still, like my son will be out on a skateboard. He's 14. I'm like, put your stinking helmet on because I fell when I was 14 and got a concussion. Okay. So I'm telling him, put your gear on. Right. And, and we think, okay, so yeah, Doug, you just proved your point. It's kids stuff. This armor stuff, this defensive wear, this gear, it's, it's kid stuff. Well, let me ask you this. Some of, some of you here in the room have been in the military. Okay. Some of you have loved ones in the military. Do you think one person One adult, male or female, going into the army, receiving military training, about to go out to battle, when they give them their helmet and their gear, looks at it and says, oh, that's kid stuff. No, because they know it could save their life. They know it could keep them in the battle and help them advance in the battle, right? And the same is true for you and I. This is not kid stuff. A lot of us are like, oh, that's kid stuff, Doug. Meanwhile, we're getting beat down eight different ways by our enemy. Let's talk about what God's given us here. Let's talk about the things that God wants in our lives. Some of you are going, if you're new to this, so is it literal armor that we put on? No, it's not literal armor. Let me explain it to you. Paul is in prison at this time as he's writing this letter to the Ephesians. And he looks over and he sees a Roman guard standing there. And the Roman guard has armor on. And he's likely looking at the Roman guard going, well, everybody knows what this 
Roman guard looks like in the armor that he wears. Everyone in that century, everyone in that time would have known what that looked like. And so let me take an illustration and talk about the things God's given us to be our defense in the midst of our battle that we're in. And I'll relate it to what this Roman guard is wearing. Maybe in our day, he would have used a football player, right? Like even if you don't like football, you know what a football player wears and the gear that they have on. And you could kind of understand what Paul would be saying. And so he's just using an illustration here. And he says, look, you guys are equipped to stand in the middle of this very real battle that you're going through. And then he goes on, because we're all like, okay, so there's a battle going on. Who is it against? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This is who the battle is against. We have a real enemy called the devil. Everybody look at me real quick. If you're watching online, look back up. Put your lucky charms down. Look back up at me for a second here, okay? Here's the thing. Some of us are like, I don't believe in the devil. Again, we're back at like kids stuff, kids stories, okay? So when's the last time you watched a documentary about a serial killer? I can tell you my wife and I started watching one just this week, okay? And I wasn't even thinking about the fact that that was already an illustration here in the message. We just turned on a, a, a documentary. We're just a, and sometimes they're interesting. And, but this one, we turned off within about 26 minutes of it being on because it was so horrific. Now listen, people are broken, but there are certain things that I look at it and I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't think even a broken person is capable of that. There's some evil behind that, no? And so we have to recognize, just by even looking around at the world we live in, that broken people are capable of some pretty horrible things, but there are some horrific levels of, of just evil that you get to that you're like, okay, maybe this is something I should be serious about. Maybe this is something I need to be prepared for. I need some some armor, some gear. I need some things in my life to help me walk forward and move forward. And so we want to really talk about this. And, you know, we haven't dived into the armor of God in years and years and years and years, okay? So this isn't like, oh, let's just do this every year. Like, this is something we need to take a fresh, deep look at here today. And so our enemy, the devil, is real. He is trying to destroy our faith, our relationship with God. He's this opponent that's shooting lies at us and temptation at us and trying to doubt, make us doubt the, the presence of God and the love of God. And you know what's interesting is the book of Acts tells us there was an unusually high amount of spiritual warfare and demonic activity in the city of Ephesus, which is why Paul addressed this in his letter to the Ephesians. Right? Paul didn't just write letters and just go, okay, give this one to the Romans. It's random. Just give it to the Romans. Give this one to the Ephesians. It doesn't really matter what it says. No, he wrote to their specific situations and needs. And so the Ephesians needed to hear how to guard themselves against what the enemy was doing because there was a lot going on there. And so Paul says the devil's got schemes, right? Let's read what a scheme is. Read this with me. It's a large scale, just so you know what the devil's up to, systematic plan or arrangement for attaining a particular object or, per, or putting a particular idea into effect. So the enemy, look, I'm not going to glorify Satan, but he's smart, right? He knows how to push buttons. And so he's got these schemes. Do you know any schemers in your life? I'm going to say this with as much grace and love and respect as I can, but my wife and daughter sometimes are schemers in my home, okay? And they're not at the service. I'm a little bolder at this one, all right? But here's what happens. It, it always relates to saving money. We're going to save money. Oh, cool. How are we going to do that? Well, I'll give you an example. Last year was my daughter's sweet 16. And so all summer, right, my wife and my daughter, okay, here's what we're going to do. This is how much the tent costs and the chairs and the tables and the food, right? And then here's the scheme. They come up to me. They're like, Doug, 
Since we didn't hire a videographer and photographer and we saved that money, we would like to get the unicorn jumping through the flaming hoop package, right? And you're like, okay, that was fake money though. Like that you didn't save any money. The fact that we didn't get the videographer and the photographer doesn't make a cloud appear over the Jansen household and rain down enough George Washingtons to get the unicorn flaming package, okay? You're not saving money. So it's this scheme, it's this plan, it's this systematic device, right? And the enemy has schemes, right? And he comes at us in different ways because he knows us. He knows how to push our buttons. And so maybe for many of the people here or watching online today, he's come at us with images or videos, right? right? Just that porn thing. Like I, if I can get them with that, it will destroy intimacy within the marriage and it will drive them a wedge between them and their relationship with God. He's got these devices, or maybe it's unforgiveness. If I can just make them hang on to that hate, man, they'll never get free of it. Or if I can keep them stuck in that party lifestyle, they think they're living, they think this is what a live looks like, but they're so ensnared, they're never gonna find their way out. And so he comes with schemes against you and I. But listen, everybody look at me. This is so important. And this is kind of the, the, the reason I feel we're all supposed to be doing this message series right now is this next little part is we so often miss the rest of the part of the verse. Maybe it's a plan of the enemy just to distract us. Maybe he gets us just so focused on the fact that the first part of that verse says, or, or, or the end of that verse talks about standing against the devil's schemes. And all we see in that verse are those words, devil's schemes. And if we could just get that verse back up on the screen, what we miss is the first part of the verse. Look at what the first part says. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We focus, oh, the devil schemes, right? And we miss, you can take your stand. You can. It doesn't say, maybe you could. It says, it doesn't say, I hope you can. It literally says, you can take your stand. I want you to think about that here today. I want you to realize something really important because I think a lot of us think, I can't take my stand against porn. It's too difficult. It's everywhere. I can't get this unforgiveness out of my heart. It's too difficult. I can't get out of this party atmosphere. It's just everywhere. No, you can take your stand. Listen, you and I will fall. God is a gracious God. We will mess up. And sometimes we don't take our stand, right? And we fall and God goes, I love you. Let's get out of this. This is gonna kill your marriage. This is gonna keep you in a party lifestyle. It's gonna destroy your life. This unforgiveness is gonna destroy your heart. You're not gonna live the life I have for you. But, but let's get it up and let's get out. My, my, my salvation is big enough and great enough to rescue you, even though you fell. But then he's going, come on, but you can stand. In other words, we won't get this perfectly, but there should be growth and victory in our lives. We should see change in our lives. There should be growth between this, near, this year and next year in the porn struggle, the anger struggle, the unforgiveness struggle, the party life struggle. There should be change. Or you fill in the blank with whatever your struggle might be. There should be growth and change and victory in our lives because we have what we need to take a stand. And I want you to think visually here, okay? And this is so important. Don't miss this. If you want to, like, go grab some coffee after the next minute here, don't you all do it at once, but, but you can go then. If you have to go to the bathroom, just wait just a minute, okay? If your baby's crying at home on watching the stream, okay, just shush him for a second, okay? Because this is so important. I want you to think visually here. Because here's what I think so, so many of us, we have this picture in our mind. Think for a second. When you imagine yourself in this battle, close your eyes for a second, don't fall asleep. When you imagine yourself in this battle, where are you standing, on the high ground or the low ground? 
Like, are you on the low ground? Just keep your eyes closed for a second. Are you on the low ground and the enemy is on the high ground beating you down over and over and over? I think, look, look at me again. I think that's how most of us imagine the battle we're in. We're on the low ground. We all know in battle, right, if you have the high ground, 99.9% you're winning. If you have the low ground, 99.9% you're losing. And I think so many of us picture, I'm in the low ground. I'm at the disadvantage. My enemy is so great and he's just beating me. I want to read what one commentator says. So powerful. Read this with me. Paul has a particular sort of battle in mind. One to hold a strong position. His exhortation does not prepare soldiers to make a quick moving attack. But listen, but to take a stand. They hold the crown of the hill. In other words, you're on the high ground. And look at what he says next. And the enemy must weary itself in constant uphill attack. You're on the high ground. The enemy's on the low ground. And he's got to keep running up that hill, and he's coming at you, and he's coming at me, and he's coming at you, and he's coming at me. But he's the one in this weary uphill battle. Well, why is that? He says, the strong position Paul has in mind will be clear to the reader. It is our union with Christ, the head over all things, far above all principalities and powers, and the resurrection power of God at work in us. That's why you have the high ground. You don't have the high ground because of you. You have the high ground because you have a great savior, a powerful savior, one who defeated Satan and all of his schemes. And we don't walk in that full victory yet because sin's all around us, right? We're freed from the power of sin, but not the presence of sin. And so we remain in this battle. But how you view yourself is critical. If you think you're on the low ground, getting beat down, hear the truth today. You are on the high ground in Jesus. Amen? That's where we stand. That's where we have to see ourselves. Look, I fall short. I, I, I do things I shouldn't do. I fall at times when I should take, take my stand. But there's a gracious Savior saying, okay, I love you. I'm going to pick you up, but I'm, I'm, I'm in you. My presence is in you to help you walk forward, to help you take steps, to help you be different, to help you grow. But it's all about that relationship with Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus here today, do not hear me say today, come on, just have some self-control. You can muster up some self-control. No, this is about what God does in us as we're close with him. Union with Christ puts us on the top of that hill, knowing him, being close to him, having our hearts continually laid bare before him. That's what gets us on the top of that hill, not our own strength. We've all seen and, and fallen in our own strength, haven't we? But Jesus has given us amazing strength. All right, we gotta keep going here, okay? Verse 12, for our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul reminds us, and Paul had a lot of real, physical, in-the-flesh enemies. But he's reminding us that the enemy, our, our, our enemy, Satan, right, pushes buttons behind the scenes all the time, Right? Coming at your marriage, coming at your relationship with your kids and your kids with you, you kids with your parents, coming out just all different angles, constantly in the background, pushing buttons, pushing buttons, pushing buttons, twisting, lying, whispering, trying to get us to just fall, trying to get us to get our eyes off Jesus, trying to break up that union with Christ. And I don't want to blame Satan for everything, right? Sometimes we just do stupid stuff, right? 
Like, I don't, we can't become these kind of people who see Satan everywhere behind everything that happens, right? Stupid example. When I was first a youth, in youth ministry, I was hanging out at a, par- at a park after youth group with a bunch of our youth group kids. And a bunch of the youth group kids were on swings, and they were just swinging. And you know how you swing? You're never, like, in perfect sync, right? So they're all kind of off sync. And I just have this thought in my head, like, I bet I could run between them as they're swinging, right? And so I, I'm like, here I go. You know, I'm like 19-year-old dog, hair down on my shoulders, like all cocky. You know, I go running through. I made it one, I made it past two, three came back, hit me, and I went flying into the pole that holds up the thing and came up like half days. I was seeing like birds and stars, you know? Now, the enemy wasn't behind me like, I have this great plan, Doug, right? I was an idiot. <laughs> Sometimes we're idiots, Sometimes we make stupid choices. Sometimes things happen. We live in a broken world. But we have a very real opponent, don't we? So how do we handle this battle? He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to take, or sorry, you'll be able to stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. So he already told us we could stand. And then he just told us two more times in this verse, we can stand. We're in a battle. The devil is real. But God's given us the things we need to stand. And the, army of God, the armor of God is always available to us. We shouldn't pray, oh God, please give me your armor. No, it's there, right? It's already there. And so, we, you know, for many years in my life, every morning I would kind of religiously pray on the armor of God, each piece of it. Oh God, this, that, the other, this. And then I just began to realize, like, wait, this is all already available to me. I don't have to ask for this. It's there. And so I can just take a hold of it. I can use these things as armor, so to speak. And so we're going to just look at three today and three next week. And we're going to move quick. If you're like, Doug, we're already 22 minutes in the message. Now you're just getting to the armor. We're going to fly through a few of these today and the rest next week. And we're going to really talk about what it looks like here to walk with God into some victory, into some growth, into taking our stand. We have the high ground in Jesus. So let's get into the first one. He says, verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Everybody say belt of truth. So that's the first piece of the armor as he's looking at this Roman soldier that he brings up. And he's just trying to say to us, truth. Truth acts like a belt. What does a belt do? A belt holds everything together, doesn't it? Belt holds everything together. Like I think about someone in the military or a policeman or something like that, right? That belt is vital to them, not just for their clothing, right? In the military, you got to look all solid and good, and the cops are looking all solid and good, and everything's you know, looking, looking put in place and all that. But, but it's not just about holding clothing together. It's also where their gun goes and, the, and their, you know, all the different, the hand, the, the, uh, what are those things called? Handcuffs. Thank you very much. Those are a very difficult word. Um, and, and it's where all their different gear and the things that are vital to their doing their job and surviving their job right are so important you think military person with the stuff they carry on that belt is vital to them surviving the vic- in, in the battle and, and walking in victory and so i think paul's just trying to remind us about how powerful truth is that the truth of god acts like a belt holding us together and giving us essential things we need to do the do the things each day that he calls us to do to walk in the victories as the temptations are thrown and the doubts are thrown and all the different things as truth comes under fire we need to keep going back to the truth of god wait god what are you saying is right what are you saying is true what are you saying is good what does your word say what is your way so important we're saying today that god's way is different than our way it is so we have to keep going back to the truth do you remember a few years ago there was a alert that went out an alert that went out in hawaii that a, a missile was coming you remember that? I want, I want you to read with me 
the message alert that came up on everybody's screen. Emergency alert, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter, this is not a drill. That's a screenshot from somebody's phone that got it. Can you imagine? And here are these people, and within moments, there's panic, sirens are going off, people are calling loved ones, saying goodbye. People, were, people who live close enough to mountains were literally hiding in concrete bunkers in the mountains, ready for this attack, right? 38 minutes later, the truth came out. This was a mistake. Someone hit the wrong button. This is not the truth, right? Imagine hitting that wrong button. Ouch, right? Maybe look for a new job, right? <laughs> I'm here. Dunkin' Donuts is hiring, right? You hit a button wrong there. It's a whole different ballgame. But, but there was a huge lie, and everyone was living under the weight of that lie and seeing everything through the weight of that lie. And then the truth was revealed, and everything changed, right? Because that's how the truth works. That's how lies work. The enemy is constantly whispering, I'm sending a missile that's going to take you out, and no one can stop it. God even can't stop it. And we can live under that lie, can't we? We can live under the weight of that lie. We can believe that thing, and it'll change how you treat your spouse. It'll change how you treat your kids. It'll change how you uh, handle yourself at work and school and the, and the ethics that you uh, live by. I mean, when you're under the weight of a lie that deep, it just taints everything. But the truth, right, Jesus said, sets you free. The truth helps you see reality again. The truth helps you understand, oh, that, that wasn't at all. That was just a false alert, right? That's why we got to keep clinging to the truth of God's word, especially as culture continues to tell us this is good, and that is good, and this is good, and that is good, and oh, don't believe that anymore, and, right? We have to cling to the truth. We have to make sure we're lined up with the truth because it holds us together. One of the days I was working on this message, I felt like the enemy shot a missile at me, just a lie, that this missile that was coming at me was going to take me down, right? Like nothing could stop this. And, and, and it changed the way I was viewing everything that day as I'm working through this. And it was just a lie. And as soon as I, I saw the truth, and as soon as the truth was revealed in, in my heart and mind and my understanding was wrapped around that truth, it just changed everything. And it, and it transformed my whole demeanor. Right? We've got to be fastening that truth of God around us every single day. Sometimes the enemy's whispering, God isn't there. You're not wanted. He doesn't love you. His way isn't real. You can't trust Jesus. Go back to, go back to that religion. Go back to that workspace thing, right? We have to get the word of God out. We have to be here, right? Because this is where we celebrate and, and hear the word of God together. We've got to be in relationship with Christians who can remind us of the truth, don't we? There's been many times in my life as a Christian, not even as a pastor, just as a person, a Christian, Somebody's just reminded me of the truth, and it just changed everything. Man, my, my, my mind was just in, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know where I was. I don't know why I was believing that lie. The enemy is trying to, you know, just condemn, condemn, and come on my heart, and come on my mind, and come on my calling, and come, right? And you just need people in your life who love Jesus and know the word of God enough to look you back in the face and say, no, 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 let's get back to truth. That's why community is so important. That's why discipleship is so important. That's why we, we do this together, right? Soldiers who are by themselves are easy to pick off, No? Why together is really important. And so, everybody say, God's truth holds me together. All right, so think about that this week. What does it look like for you to continue to fill your heart and mind with God's truth? Okay, next one we're going to get to real quick here. Next one is with the breastplate of righteousness in place, okay? Everybody say righteousness. That's what we're looking at here, okay? And what's righteousness? Righteousness is just being right with God. 
And we are right with God only because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's the only way we're right with God. You're not right with God because you, you, you made a great decision yesterday and you followed his will yesterday and you, you know, didn't say a bad word when you stubbed your toe. Right? Like, you are right with God because Jesus died in your place, and that's that. And often, we're condemned, aren't we? Right? And I don't think it's a mistake that the breastplate of righteousness would have covered this whole area here, which means it covers our heart. So I think that's where we feel condemnation, isn't it? Wait, you did what? Of course you're not a follower of Jesus anymore. You thought what? You're past what? Right? And the enemy loves to just come at us and condemn and condemn and condemn and condemn. And thank God we have rightness with God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can be right with God because Jesus died on the cross for you. That's it. Don't be confused, everybody. It's not Jesus' death on the cross and a little bit of my help. It's just Jesus' death on the cross that rescues you and me. And so daily, we have to be going, wait, I'm right with God. I'm right with God. Not because of my action, and, and, and there's a place for confession, right? Lord, I haven't been right with you, but now I am, again, like back in that, in that mode of connection with you. I've made some really bad decisions. Lord, it's, it's, it's that simple. Lord, I made some really bad decisions. I haven't been right with you, but, but wow, uh, forgive me. I thank you that you love me and help me going forward. Like that little 14-second conversation that we just had with God, I'm in that place. I'm right with him. I'm right with him because of what he's done for me. He's made me right with him. And so when you hear you're unholy and you're imperfect and you're not wanted, even if you hear today going, I'm not a follower of Jesus yet, it's a quick conversation with the Lord as you put your trust in him that you become right with God. That's going to be available for you here today. But man, we have to continue to remind ourselves, that's why we got to open up the word of God. That's why we got to be with Christians because we were, we're reminded of, wait, he's made us right. Don't let that thing beat you, right? Don't let that condemnation continue to keep you stuck. Don't let those lies continue to make you think that God doesn't want you anymore. We so badly need to walk together and know his words. Everybody say, God has made me righteous. We're going to see this in his word. We're going to see this in our relationships with others. And be honest in your conversations with God. God, I don't feel very close to you right now. God, I know you've made me right with you. I know, Jesus, you died to make me right with the heavenly father. That's what you did there. And I just feel so far from you. So God, just help me again to know and feel and enjoy that I'm right. Goes on. Last one we're going to look at today, and we'll get you out of here, okay? Verse 15. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. This one's really confusing. For many years of my life, I thought that one word in that verse was what I was supposed to be focusing on. It was really a totally different one, okay? So I thought it was about peace. So every day as a kid and as a young adult and in college, and I used to pray on the armor of God every day, okay, God, give me the peace. I thought it was all about peace. God, I just want to walk in your peace. Give me peace, give me peace. And you can pray for peace. That's great. But this verse is about readiness. Everybody say readiness. The feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace is about being ready to do the things God's called us to and being protected from the things that want to take us out, okay, so that we can take that stand. So let's talk about what that looks like, okay? Um, some of us just feel exhausted. We feel tired. We don't have another prayer in us. We don't have another devotional in us. We just feel so beat up and so exhausted and not ready to take a stand, not ready to fight against temptation. Maybe you're in that party scene. Maybe you're in that sexual thing. Maybe you're just in that anger thing, and it's like, I'm just too tired. I'm not ready for this. I don't know about you. Um, my weight 
thing and my exercise thing is always a battle. It's always up and down and up and down and up and down. There are days when I just feel ready to go do this. We're going to go to the gym and then we're going to go back and we're going to eat well. And there's other days I'm like, I just don't got this today, right? Like, and I think sometimes that's how we feel about the sin struggles in our lives as well. And so Paul tells us that we can be ready. Paul's looking at that Roman soldier. He looks at his feet and he's wearing something that makes Paul go, this guy's ready. This guy's ready for battle. Well, what would that have looked like? Well, back in the day, they would have worn a, a shoe sandal thing that would have protected their foot. If there was something sharp or something thrown or something laid out that would have been meant to trip them up, it would have protected them. Remember, often they were walking, you know, just normal people were walking barefoot or in sandals back in the day. But these were made to protect them. So you got protection. But listen, on the very bottom of these shoes that the, the soldiers would wear were nail-like little th- uh, sharp objects that would dig down into the ground to give them what? Traction. Traction. Kind of like cleats, right? Want to go football, right? Cleats. And so they had protection and traction. And so Paul is saying that you can be protected and you can have traction because remember, you're taking a stand. You're on the high ground. Enemy's fighting his way up the hill. I'm on the high ground in Jesus. And I've got this ability to stand and be protected and have traction. But what gives it to me? Well, it's the gospel of peace. It says it comes from the gospel of peace. So what's the gospel of peace? The gospel of peace is your sins have been forgiven. There's a great Savior who loves you and came for you. There's an amazing Father who put an amazing plan into place. And he sent his son to die for you and me. And there's a a presence of God in our lives now as we walk every day. That should give us great readiness. Okay, so I'll wake up. Oh, man, I got to battle this thing today, man. This thing's just coming at me. I got lies coming at me from every angle. The enemy's breathing down my neck because Jesus has died for me, because I'm his, because he loves me, because his power is in me. I'm protected, and I have the traction I need, protection and traction. It's available to you and me every single day, all throughout the day, through School, through recess, through gym class, through biology, Lord, help us, through chem, right, through trig, through the one o'clock business meeting at work, everybody, you just ate and you're just like nodding off and and now it's like, okay, right in that exhausted moment, the enemy's going to come whisper something at me, right? Coming back through the door, everybody's tired. At the end of the day, kids are shot from school, parents are shot from work, and now we got to try to hang out for six or seven hours so everybody falls asleep. Man, it's available to us in all that. I can be ready because of Jesus. I'm righteous because of Jesus. There's truth because of Jesus. Are you seeing a common theme? That's all him. It's this armor of God that we can take a hold of. We don't have to pray it on. It's already there. It's just, will I make use of it? It's like the person in the military. Will I make use of this helmet? Will I make use of this armor? Will I, will I put this stuff on? Will I grab my gear in the moment when I need it? Or will I just get shot, right? And that's the truth is you and I can walk in this awesome victory because of what Jesus has done for us. And again, we're not going to be 100% victorious, are we? But if we had time to hand a mic around to each person here today, many of us would say, hey, I'm not 100% victorious, but I am different than I used to be. Amen. God's been at work in my life, and there's been growth, and there's been change, and it's because of the truth, and it's because of the righteousness that God's given me, and it's because of the peace that I now have with God that makes me ready. Some of you guys have been through some horrible things, and people ask you this question, how are you still holding it together? How are you okay? How are you still coming to church? How are you still raising your hands and worshiping Jesus? How do you open your Bible every day? And you know, I've heard it so many times, it's just, 
It's all God. It's all God. I don't have this in me, but God makes me ready. His truth, his peace, his gospel makes me ready, and I can keep going. I have traction. I could just keep putting one foot in front of the other because of the mercies of God in my life. And so I want you to see today that God has given us the armor we need to stand. He's given it to us. And we're in a real battle. And there is a real opponent, the enemy, Satan, coming at you and me. But we can take our stand. And the lie doesn't own you. The condemnation doesn't own you. And feeling completely unprepared for the battle ahead doesn't own you. That's not who you are. In Christ, I'm held together by the truth. In Christ, I am right with God. In Christ, I am ready. But it's all in Christ. It's all in him. It's in my union with him and my closeness with him. And so look at me. Porn does not own you. The spirit of God is in you. Anger and unforgiveness don't own you. Greed doesn't own you. Gossip doesn't own you. Fear doesn't own you. The presence of God is in your life. God owns you and me. Filled with him. How powerful. How amazing. You're on the high ground. Close your eyes for a second. Picture it. You're on the high ground. Enemy throwing all he's got, running uphill. And man, I'm not, I'm not trying to make light. He's a legit opponent. But we have a great victor, Jesus. And he's empowered us to stand at the top of that hill because of our union with him and his power over all authority. I want you to just imagine for a second, just keep your eyes closed, don't tune out, that you're facing this great opponent. And at first, it's just you. And you see this great opponent running up that hill at you, and you are in serious trouble. But standing with you is your great Savior. Standing with you is the one who gave his life and was placed in a grave and rose back from the dead. Yeah, I hope you heard me. Rose back from the dead. The one who, the scriptures say, crushed the head of the enemy. Standing with you. With all authority and all power given to him by the Father and the presence of God in your life. We will not get it perfectly, but we can stand. Because God's given us the armor that we need to take our stand. Dear Father of Jesus, would you just pray now? Would you bring to God some very specific struggles? And just ask him to help you take your stand. Joe prayed earlier about us leaving things today that are not of God. We sang together this declaration that we were going to leave things here today that are not yours, that are not your way, Lord. And so would you just leave some of those things here today and ask God for the strength to stand. Get very specific. God, it's my porn addiction. It's my hate. It's my anger. It's my prejudice. It's my greed. It's my fear. It's my doubt. Whatever it might be for you, pray about it. Ask the Lord to help you take your stand in him. 
If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me now. You guys can just say something like this if you'd like to put your trust in Jesus. You can just say, Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you so much for your love for me. Thank you that you want me, that you don't condemn me, but that you want me. And Jesus, I just ask that you will forgive me of my sin and that you'll show me your incredible love and that, God, you'll help me to take the stand now, knowing you, united with you. I thank you that you stand with me, Jesus. And I thank you that you're bigger than all my struggles. And when I fall, pick me up again. And your love for me is still so great. Thank you, God, that your truth holds me together, that I am right with you because of what Jesus did. And I'm ready because the gospel of peace is in my life now. In your name I pray.